They said that the, the seafarers were navigating after the smell. It's called the maki in Sardinia. It is this um, harmonious, intensive smell of everything from pines or different pines to juniper berries, wild rosemary, and wild thyme, and so on. For me, it's such a it's just such a warm and comforting smell. It's so comforting. The smell of the beginning of summer, no? The trees start sweating when you have a couple of days with more than 20 degrees. And they give this aromas that you... It's so special for the Mediterranean islands. The nose is the sense that is closest to the brain. It's in some way our strongest sense because it was... The way that we could smell fear and we could smell things that were rotten. It was security, you know. The smell is just so much more. It's just there. And we're not aware of it. We live in a world right now where smell is like really one of the secondary senses. There's not a lot of focus on that. When I worked in Noma, we had a spray of, uh, of different instances of the food that we were cooking that we sprayed out before the guests arrived. You can close your eyes and you can kind of close your ears and so on, but the smell you cannot close. My name is Boris Borno. I am uh, of Danish origin. I moved here in 2015, but in 2010 I started taking very long vacation in Ibiza. I'm a 30-year-old chef, father to two twins, married to an Andalusian fantastic woman who I met here. And I have, I have plans of, of staying. I'm a lost soul, like uh, many other people in, in this world, uh, looking for community and hugs. I am creating spaces where people can do that. And I do it with food. And I am so fortunate that I can live from my hobby, which is cooking. And I'm so fortunate to live in Ibiza, living off the land, living with the land and the water. So that's what turns me on. Nature, the sounds, the smells. That's, that's who I am. I'm melting in with nature. There's a lot of, of, of raw nature here and there's a lot of fish in the water still. And there's no big industries. I had something to bring to the place in terms of the food and, and so on. And my small participation in that by, by showing people how they can cook with some of these wild herbs and stuff that... Normally people just walk by. Oh, the smell is especially strong here. And here, these flowers are wild chamomile. Chamomile is also one of these plants that you find in all cultures. But when you put something on an island for a certain period of time, it will mutate. 
and this one really really nice then we also have a, a special time a tomillo which is a, a base for a lot of the natural products farming products here from the island because it's antiseptic and they used it to conserve everything from wine sprinkled it on top of the figs and sun-dried them uh, and basically all the meat preparation and here next to it this is a kind of a wild mustard yellow flowers and afterwards you get the seeds out of it that you can make mustard from so when i mix it together with a little bit slightly sweetness and almost like wasabi horseradishy kind of flavors from that mustard you play around in the kitchen and then it's like notes you know like you find this harmony that just goes like, and you're like wow blown away and when it's in season it's always on my menu and taking myself the time to take half an hour twice a week in my four day opening week to go out and harvest this myself that makes me a whole whole chef like it you can't give it justice one of the absolute most beautiful places on the island and you see there's terraces <laughs> just going to show that some hundred years back i mean people were were ready to do that hard job to to grow these parts and this path no way you can get a tractor up here <laughs> maybe a goat but imagine that workload to carry stones to there place them up make a little terrace that just shows you how much they have used of the island before Ibiza was a poor 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 farming farming country and, and fishing of course And young people was fleeing this place and until yeah late 70s, 80s, maybe even up in the 90s. And, and what happened was that all the daughters was giving the bad land on the coast and all the sons got the fertile farming land inside in, in the island. Then came tourism and suddenly the value of the land on the coast skyrocketed. And all of these women became insanely rich and you can still meet them owning small bars and restaurants and so on along the coast of all of Ibiza. And what happened with all the men was that the farming suddenly was not profitable and tourism and they got into taxi driving or construction or whatever. But that meant that The whole center of Ibiza have been quite, how can I say, unpopulated and unused for many, many years. So just home in my private garden, I think they have not been farmed for the past 20, 25 years. Just stop here and there's two plants in front of me. There's rosemary, wild, 
you can see now it's end of spring and it's it's shooting so you have this really really light green fresh shoots uh, you know where rosemary normally can be very potent there it's it's really amazing you can almost just chop it and put it in salads top of raw tomatoes and then the, the other one here is quite funny this specimen is actually the best for its purpose because this is the toilet paper plant the ibisenko used to wipe their bum with this one when they were out working in the fields and it's because of the leaves is it's so soft and then it gives some beautiful purple flowers and on top of that it has a lot of other benefits and really good for infusions and teas and and so on but the toilet paper plant we have always been doing a lot of foraging since the very beginning i met some an old Abisenko lady and she was looking at me and she was like, what are you taking there? I haven't seen anybody taking these things since my grandmother. There's so many wild herbs that people simply just forgot because they got iceberg salad and rucola and, and mesclon bags. But these are high nutrient, very high value crops. They grow wild. There is... There's no farming to it. It's not touched by, by man in any way. It is pure as it can get. We talked about a harmony before. You get a very clean harmony. And that turns me on in terms of, of cooking, that natural style. It's like a wild onion also. Almost like a, a cross between an onion and a garlic beautiful flowers also you can chop them up stew them a little bit like spinach really nice with eggs just it's fantastic and there's so much so the way the nature influenced me is like it's this constant hard drive of creativity and ideas that I can just I can just pull from it, letting go, because I've also been a very ambitious chef, you know, with 20 elements on my plate and some things that took almost years to make. So letting go and let nature guide you. In, in the beginning, it's, it's scaring, but then at the end, it's, it's the easiest, why didn't I do it before, kind of eureka moment. Now we're gonna climb some stones. So what is a food studio? When I thought about it, it was definitely not a restaurant. One of the main, the main factors for starting it in the first place in Copenhagen was yeah, I was tired of working in a restaurant. And I felt that people were so distant. And the communication between the creator and, and the receiver, the audience, was in many ways broken working in some really good restaurants and sometimes I was like why doesn't people get up from their chair and scream and shout of happiness because you would do that for to a rock concert or something you know and I I have always in in my art fought for I don't want to grow up you know I want to be a kid to the day I die it needs to be playful it needs to be funny it needs to be uplifting. It needs to raise questions. 
maybe that doesn't even have to do anything. It just have to feed you. But that's also not. So I wanted to create a free space for people who wanted to work with food in a in a different way. So I started in my apartment in Copenhagen. And after a couple of years there, I was in a point of my life where I was like, now I wanted to try something new and Ibiza was there in the back of my head. And one day I just did it. Just packed up my stuff and I left. I also was very sure about that. I wanted to create a brand, a platform that was bigger than me or had the potential to grow bigger than just my little ego. So I actually closed the food studio in the place where my restaurant is now and I call it a restaurant, I call it Taller de Tapas. Um, Taller means workshop and I treat it as a workshop. I want it to be something that's good to share, small dishes that can both stand out as outstandingly good but can also be the backdrop for great conversation. I've done it for many years and I actually really, I really like it. There's a lot of all the bullshit that comes with it that I don't like. But it's a very honorable cause to give people nice food and a moment in, in their busy day-to-day life where they can stop up and have a conversation with their wife or business or whatever they are, family. There's a huge potential to innovate, to be creative, to be spiritual. I'm a purist. I'm a, I'm a natural purist. So the way that I use it is let nature dictate my menu, my plates. That's where I think we as chefs can, can show the way and inspire and, and give people the feeling to go back to the land and, and care about where their food comes from. I think that's a very essential path uh, we chefs can help people put people on. The ultimate relaxing for me is nature. I mean, try and meditate in a small sweaty room in London, you know, and try to find your scent. And then like here we walk 15 minutes and look at the view. It's like you can't do anything than, than meditate, no? The nature just brings you. Beautiful. <laughs>